When I knew my grandpa Bradford wasn't going to be living very long, I made a special trip back home to spend some time with them to just have some of those conversations that you want to make sure you've had before you can't have them anymore. I made plans and I drove home 10 hours to be with my family and to have those moments with grandpa. And everybody was there, the aunts, the uncles, the cousins, and it was a little bit crazy. And so I told my mom, I said, I'm not like getting the time with grandpa, so here's the plan. I'm going to smuggle grandpa out of the house and I need you to distract grandma and I'm gonna like kidnap grandpa to Sonic. Because all of his life, Grandpa Bradford loved rip your floats. And Grandma forbids sweets now, especially since Grandpa was sick. No particular reason. But so I snuck, smuggled Grandpa out, and he was like a giddy five-year-old boy with a cane. And he was like so excited. And where are we going? And what are we going to do? And I was like, Grandpa, we're going to Sonic. And we're getting ginormous, like, Route 44, the biggest possible root beer floats that we can. And so we pulled into the drive-thru and we ordered ginormous root beer floats and we sat there talking. And I asked my grandpa some really important questions about life. Like, what was it like? What, what do you remember growing up? What was it like before cars and stuff. And he talked about serving in the war in World War II and, and living over in Europe during that time frame and fighting for our country and some of his best memories of his childhood and his young adulthood. And I asked him important questions too, like, Grandpa, when you die, are you sure that you have a relationship with Jesus? Like, do I know for sure that I'm going to see you again? And, and how do you know for sure? And, and who do you think God and, and who do you think Jesus really is? And so I asked him all these critical questions and then, and then we just kind of left. We drank the last little bit of our rip your flows, burped the biggest burp possible and went back home, mostly because my mom was blowing up my phone saying, Grandma's freaking out and you better get Grandpa home right now. And then just a couple weeks later, he passed away. And, and every time I drive by Sonic, I think about Grandpa. And every time I taste the delicious, foamy, creamy sweetness of a root beer float, just, it's not intentional, but just instantly, I'm transported back to, to sitting in that car with my Grandpa and just remembering those moments and sharing that conversation and those memories. And it's meaningful to me. Root beer floats aren't just root beer floats anymore. They're symbolic of everything. And I think that's what Jesus was going for with the idea of communion. Jesus knew that his time on earth was coming to an end. He knew that in just a few short days that, that he would give his life for humanity, that he'd be crucified, that he would die, that he would be buried, that he'd raise himself from the dead and he'd be on in heaven. But he had these 12 followers that he was really close with, his disciples, and before he left, he said, I'm going to do this thing. Like, I'm going to, you know, like, smuggle us all together and, and kidnap us into this upper room in private. And we're going to have this meaningful meal together. And we're going to share ideas and, and conversations. And I'm going to explain things that I value and share memories with them. And then, and then I'm going to share with them this idea of the Last Supper, which churches everywhere now call communion. And I'm going to make everything about it 
deeply and beautifully symbolic. So Jesus is there and he's gathered with his 12 disciples around this table and he's got a loaf of bread and he's got a chalice of wine in this gnarly cool looking cup, right? And he starts talking about how his body is gonna be like this loaf of bread and it's gonna be broken. And that, that his blood is gonna be like the wine and it's gonna be spilled for all humanity. And everybody's looking around the table like, Jesus, what are you talking about, man? Everything's chill, everything's cool. Nobody's after you. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't understand. In just a few days, this is all gonna unfold. And this meal that just feels like a meal is gonna be symbolic of these things that you're gonna remember for a lifetime. Just like the rip your float isn't just a rip your float, it's this thing, it's symbolic of everything that I remember and that I value about my grandfather. So Jesus told his, his followers that, that in just a few short days he would be arrested. They'd be falsely accused of all kinds of evils. And they would decide to have him flogged, whipped, if you will. And that his blood and his body were gonna be broken for all humanity. The Bible actually predicts this in Isaiah 53, way before Jesus' time, almost a thousand years before Jesus was born. It says this in the Bible. It says, yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. And all of this descriptive language describes what was about to happen to Jesus. And when he was in that upper room with the bread and the wine, he knew that all of this was going to symbol everything, symbolize everything that was about to happen for him. One of his closest followers, Judas, sold Jesus out for 50 pieces of silver. And then in front of all the police that were ready to arrest him, betrayed Jesus with a kiss on the cheek. They took Jesus, they arrested him, they brought him before a whole bunch of fools to make crazy accusations, and ultimately he ends up in front of the governor. Pilate is the name of the governor. And Pilate sees that there's really nothing wrong with the guy. He sees that all the religious people are just jealous of his followers, jealous of his power in, in prayer and in miracle working. And so they, they, Pilate knows he sees through it, but he's afraid of the crowds. He's afraid to acknowledge who Jesus is publicly. And he's more concerned if people are going to like him and so instead of just releasing Jesus and going, guys, you're being foolish, he asks the crowd, well, what do you want me to do with him? And, and they are calling for his crucifixion. They're calling for him to be executed. And Pilate goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, this guy? You just like cheered for him and celebrated him a couple days ago. You're claiming he didn't meet this guy you want to execute? He's like, oh, let's, not, let's not execute him right now. Let's just, let's just take him to be flogged. The people will be satisfied. They won't call for his death. They won't ask for him to be executed. And so he took what you saw in that clip is called a cat of nine tails and it's a whip made of leather and it has nine separate strands to it. 
And each strand is woven in sharp pieces of metal or glass or sharpened stones. And that's why when you saw the movie of Jesus being whipped, what what you were seeing was really the ripping out and the pulling away of so much of his skin and his flesh. And it was one of the most gruesome punishments. And in fact, it was believed that no man could live through 40 lashes. And so the punishment that they gave to Jesus was 39, 39 lashes. And then they brought Jesus back before the governor and the crowds of people pressed around and he stood there bloodied and somewhat disfigured now, blood running down his face and Pilate's like, there, we've punished him. Now, what do you want? You mean to release him? And the people chanted, crucify him, crucify him. And so Pilate, being weak, gave in to what the crowd wanted and he ordered that Jesus be crucified. Now, Jesus wasn't being crucified because of his own mistakes. He wasn't being crucified because he was wrong or he was a criminal. He was actually, even though no one at the time knew it, he was being crucified for our mistakes. He he was being executed because of the punishment that we, as the rest of humanity, deserved. And so then when you read this text in the Bible in Isaiah and you you see it was our weakness he carried, our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his sin, but he was crushed for our rebellion, beaten so we could be made whole, whipped so we could be healed. And so... In doing so, Jesus then, after being whipped, was was led away to carry a cross. This is a much cleaner, more pristine-looking cross than probably what Jesus carried, but he's got a back ripped open and wounds all over, and he's carrying this massive trunk-like tree that's scraping his back with each step as he goes up a steep hill. And he carries this cross for what many experts believe to be several miles And then they crucify him to a cross. Now, when we hear the idea of crucified, it's automatically associated with Jesus. But crucifixion or being nailed to a cross was a common form of execution, brutal form of execution that the Roman government used regularly. And this is what it means. It means a giant stake was driven through the hands and the feet of who they believed to be a criminal. So this was either driven here or here, depending on which scholars you believe, and also through the feet. And so Jesus endured that, not because he was wrong, but because we were wrong. Not because he was broken, but because we, humanity, was broken. And all of this, all of this exists and occurred so that you and I could receive forgiveness for our mistakes. You see, Jesus made no mistakes. He was perfect and without sin, yet he allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. The Bible tells us that that Jesus in these moments could have called 10,000 angels from heaven and said, rescue me, Father, get me out of here. And 
and thousands and thousands of angels would have come and, and swooped him up and carried him away to safety. But Jesus laid there. He chose to give his life. No one took it from him. He gave his life. He shed his blood to pay the debt we would owe. And, and what does communion have to do with all of that? Communion is the beautiful, complex, simple symbol of it all. And that's why a couple days before Jesus was to die, he took the bread and he broke it. This is my body. And he took the wine and he showed it as he poured it out. This is my blood. Now, in a couple of moments, we're all going to receive a little piece of bread and a little cup of non-alcoholic wine, i.e. grape juice, right? We're going to receive these little, this little bread and this little cup. And as we do this, this is to help us all remember what Jesus has done. Now, the Bible is really clear that when we take these, that we should take them with true respect, we shouldn't think of it as like a little snack in the middle of church. We shouldn't look at it like something to munch on. We shouldn't take it flippantly, but we should be serious about it. And before we take it, the Bible tells us that we should look inside ourselves and check on ourselves and ask ourselves like, hey, how's my relationship with God going right now? Like, am I talking to him? Am I reading his Bible? Am I listening to him? Am I worshiping him? Am I celebrating with other believers who he is? Am I following his directions in the Bible? We're supposed to ask ourselves a few questions. So as the communion's being passed out, I want you guys, you students, to keep an attitude of sacredness in this room, an attitude of very serious focus. And you take one cup of juice and you take one small piece of bread and you hold them in the palm of your hand and you look at them and you think about everything it symbolizes and everything it means. You think about Jesus' body being broken. You think about Jesus' blood being spilled and you ask yourself like, what does that mean to me? As you hold your one glass of juice and your tiny little piece of bread, you just ask yourself, Jesus, is there anything in my life that's making you sad right now? Is the way that I'm treating my mom or my dad saddening you because I'm being disrespectful? Is the way I'm acting in school making you sad because it's not being respectful? Is the way that I'm talking to my brothers and sisters, is the way that the language I use with my friends it's how I spend my time pleasing you. And when you notice an area of your life that you're like, ooh, I feel like something's not right there, then talk to Jesus about that. Just simply say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm not doing great in this spot, and I need to ask for you for forgiveness for how I'm acting in this way. I need to ask you for forgiveness for it's like treating you like you just live at church and never bringing you with me. Sorry, Jesus. I need to ask you for forgiveness for the way I joke with my buddies. 
sorry, Jesus. I need to ask for forgiveness for how I talk to my mom or my dad. I'm sorry. But just any area of your life, and, and here's why we do this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning, that means thinking about the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. This is a sacred moment, a serious moment. And so if there's anything in your life that you've discovered that you just want to apologize for, and just do that now. There's no magic words. Just like you'd apologize to any friend, just say, God, I'm sorry. And then tell them what you're sorry for. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is that when we apologize, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our mistakes or our sins to God, that he's faithful and he's fair and he forgives us of our sins and he cleans us up from anything that's not right inside of us. And so once you tell Jesus about it and you apologize, you don't have to feel guilty or ashamed or mad at yourself or, or not worthy. You just receive his forgiveness and his love. Just embrace it. Now here's what the Bible says about how it happened. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it, and then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do what? Think about him. Remember the cross. That's what we do. We focus ourselves on him. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the covenant. The new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For whenever you eat this bread, what bread? Is this special magic bread? No, we got it at City Market. It's not like a root beer float is special magic root beer. It just reminds me, right? Whenever you eat bread or drink grape juice, whenever you experience these moments, you're supposed to remember Jesus and what he went through for you. And so in a moment, we're going to all eat the bread together. I'll let you know when. We're going to pray and thank Jesus for it first. Jesus, thank you for this bread. We know it's just bread, but we know it symbolizes you and your body and the fact that you allowed yourself to be broken so that we could be healed and whole. And we love you for it. We thank you for it. And we think of you as we eat it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, thank you for your blood 
that's represented by this little cup of grape juice. We know it's not special magic grape juice. It's just symbolic of what you went through that you want us to remember you as we celebrate. You want us to remember who you are and what you did for us. You want us to remember how much you love us. So Jesus, we now drink this grape juice and we remember your love for us. Amen. that Christians have done for thousands of years now. Thousands of years. And we do it all to remember what Jesus did on the cross. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.